Hello and good evening. Um, as Lois said, my name is Ruth. Um, we probably haven't met as I'm, as I'm really new, um, but it's great to be here. And uh, just a shout out for the big weekender. If you are thinking about it, if you haven't booked in and you're, you're wondering whether to come and you're not sure because you don't know anyone, come and be my pal because I don't know anyone either. Okay, we are on a little two-week hiatus between sermon series, and last week Anna spoke to us about how in this really crazy, uncertain time, the only thing that we can truly be certain of is who Jesus is, his actions, his nature, who he is in our life. And I thought it was a fantastic talk, and so I would follow on from the best, and we would look a little bit more about who Jesus is today. So we're going to look at one of my favorite stories um, from the Gospels, and I think that there's something in this story for us this evening, something about who Jesus is and what he wants to do um, in our life, how he wants to bring hope and freedom and healing and um, resurrection power in our lives. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 5, if you want to um, head there in your Bibles, do, um, or it will come up on the screen. But the story so far, Jesus has uh, just had a crazy little bit of time. He has calmed a storm. He has uh, just healed a man from demon possession. And he is on his way, traveling in the countryside, big crowd with him. And a guy called Jairus, who is a synagogue ruler, comes up and asks him to come and heal his daughter who is sick. And this is Mark 5, picking up at verse 24. So a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So Jesus is heading somewhere. He's on his way to Jairus' house. This important figure, Jairus, he's a synagogue ruler. He has a, a name. There's this large crowd of people. And then up comes this woman, this unnamed, unknown woman. And this large crowd of people that are following Jesus, this is not like some little reference to a small few people that are merry tripping along behind Jesus. This is a crowd. This is thousands of people pushing and shoving and trying to get as close to Jesus as possible. They've seen the crazy things he's been doing. They just watched some pigs jump off a cliff. This is action and they want to get as close as they possibly can to the action. Think more Oxford Circus at rush hour. Everyone's pushing around and Jesus starts following Jairus. And this woman who has been subject to bleeding for 12 years, she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, has spent all she has. And instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? So picture the scene. It's, it's King's Cross Station. It's rush hour. The platform is full train comes in, the train is full, the carriages are rammed, everyone is shoving their way on, you get in, you get your head in, you pull your bag in, door shuts, and then you go, who's touching me? And you can see the incredulity in the disciples. They're saying, you see these people are crowding around you, everyone is pushing, everyone is shoving, everyone is trying to get close to you, and yet you ask, who touched me? 
And this woman has approached Jesus. She has pushed her way through the middle of the crowd. She has got to his side because she believes that a touch of his cloak can heal her. We don't know her name. We don't know anything about her except that she was sick and she was desperate. She's been ill for a long time, bleeding continuously for 12 years. She spent all she has. She just gets worse. She's probably living life now as a beggar. And because of the nature of her sickness, she is ceremonially unclean, which means that she is not allowed to cross the steps of the temple. And it also means that she must announce her presence everywhere she goes, literally shouting out, unclean so that nobody can touch her, even by accident. So she's battling this debilitating sickness. She's losing all that she has, and she's living as an outcast in society. Can you imagine the pain of that? The desperation, the loneliness, to not be worthy of human contact, to be ostracized by your community. And I think that there are many ways that we sometimes count ourselves, that we feel ourselves to be unclean or unworthy. Maybe we feel like we don't qualify. I haven't done the right things. I don't know the right things. Or we feel that we are unworthy. Our past haunts us. Last night haunts us. The reality of the sins that we are held in the grip of haunt us and we feel unworthy or maybe we feel on the edge of community somehow socially excluded I don't have the right clothes the right job I'm not pretty enough smart enough funny enough I don't my job's not important enough my salary's not big enough so many pressures such an extensive list that we measure ourselves up against and find ourselves unworthy And one of the things I love about this story is that this woman, in the midst of her unworthiness, pushes her way to the front to meet with Jesus, meaning that she broke a ton of religious laws, touching countless people as she worked her way through this crowd on her pilgrimage to Jesus, facing public ridicule, public judgment. And yet she came. And then when she got there, she didn't do anything. She didn't make any declaration of faith. She didn't get her life sorted first. She didn't say anything. She didn't do anything. She was no getting right with God. There was just desperation and faith. And I feel that there's something in this for us today, that there is an invitation for us, that with faith the size of a mustard seed, we too would push our way through through all the judgment, through all the fear, through all the doubt, the internal and external fear, the judgment, the ridicule, that we would push our way through and stretch out our hands. That we would drop the pretense of having it all together. That we would stop faking it. That we would let our guard down, come in vulnerability, risk the ridicule. You know, I spent a number of years, a lot of my life, building up this wall of pretense, thinking if I could just keep everybody out, if I could shore myself up in my little island of self-sufficiency, not admit weakness, not admit need, not admit failure, if I could con the world into thinking that I, I had it all together, then maybe it would be okay. But it doesn't work. I don't have it all together. I mess up, I get it wrong, I say the wrong things, I, I'm caught in sin and failure. The real task is not, can we fake it till we make it? 
But can we let the world into our brokenness? Can we let Jesus into our brokenness? Are we willing to see our own desperation? Are we willing to admit our need? And then in the middle of all of the mess, to push our way through the voices and reach out a hand to Jesus. There's a real sense of longing in this story, a kind of a, a deep longing for healing, for encounter, and, and, and a real longing just to know Jesus. I feel like I know an echo of that. You know, even in the middle of all of my stubbornness and pride, that I sense that longing within me towards intimacy with Jesus. And I sometimes think, surely I need to clean myself up first. Surely I need to sort myself out. Surely I need to deal with my stubbornness. But he knows all of that. And his love just keeps drawing me closer. And the longing in that we sense is actually in itself a gift. It's a gift of grace that keeps us pushing towards him. And it's something that we might feel like we know, might echo and resonate in us, but it's difficult to get our heads around. And I found these, these words this week that really spoke to me of that longing. I find within myself this persistent longing for God. I try to shake off grace, thinking I would be freer in the wasteland, only to discover that in the desert I am thirsty and in the wilderness I starve. I find myself held by some unseen hand, bound to something that, try as I might, I cannot shake myself free from. I wonder at this creator who makes my heart burst with joy as I run in his woods and smell the warm air, his gift to me. I wonder at this Christ that while I snub him and scorn him, stumbles his way to the cross. This God that holds me fast and does not let me go even as I shake with rage and disdain at his overtures. What power, what force would persevere in this pursuit of me? This God who holds my heart, who has found in the very longing I am running from and who I now see I was searching for long before I knew I was searching for anything. So this woman comes up in this crowd pushes her way through to the front, stretches out her hand, touches his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. One of the crazy things about this story is that her healing happened without any direct pre-awareness or involvement from Jesus. Jesus realizes the power had gone out for him, but he didn't plan to heal her. He didn't pronounce her healing. He didn't walk up to her and say, let me heal you. She just stretched out her hand. I spent um, a number of years living in and visiting Uganda. And as part of that time, I've um, been to a bunch of different churches in, in different communities. And I was once invited up to the small um, village church up a mountain and we were driving up this really steep, rough road, and we landed at this half-built church that was crammed full of people, mostly women, maybe 100-plus people packed into this, this small room, all praising and worshipping hard. And I was asked to share a few words, and I talked about this story. I talked about this woman and her, and her desperation and her healing. 
And as I was speaking, I realized that this woman in this story was the story of the women that were sat on the floor in front of me. They were all desperate. Many of them had some kind of physical ailment or sickness. They, were, they couldn't afford medical treatment. They were living in a non-Christian community. So by being in the church, they were risking ostracization from their, from their community, ridicule from their husbands. But they were there because they wanted to meet with Jesus. And as I stood there sharing this story, all I could think about was this space. This, and I was so moved by this sense of where desperation and faith meet. And I sensed that God was really there in, this, in the room at that moment. And it was nothing to do with me. It was their desperation, their faith. There's something about Jesus that the woman in the story had this idea that if she could just get close to him, she would be healed. What had she seen? People were touching Jesus all the time. The crowd was jostling him. And it was this woman and this woman only who held out her hand and was healed at that moment. And on that day in Uganda, there was something about that moment, something about these women, something about what God was doing that day, that as we prayed for healing, people were healed. The Jesus that exudes healing so that just touching his cloak can heal creates such a sense of desperation that this community was willing to risk everything just to be in his presence. And a bunch of people were healed that day. And three women were healed from persistent bleeding. One who had been bleeding for 15 years, which is insane if you really think about it and it's easy to dismiss it it's really easy for us in our you know nice cynical way to say well that was that was then Jesus it was Jesus after all and he healed someone or that was just then over there something that happened when you were over there the stories I've already forgotten his name I'm really sorry terrible moment but the stories that we just heard about about men being being transformed and set free from gangs and addictions in South Africa I mean it's really easy for us to be cynical and go that's that's great that's that's all happening over there and it's not for me it's not for here it's not for now and yet it is it is the same Jesus that exudes this healing power so saturated in grace that he is radiant that's Jesus is here now. Malachi in the Old Testament says, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. The sun of righteousness, the sun that brings us our righteousness shall rise with healing on his wings. Jesus who gives us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, who clothes us with his righteousness has healing on his wings. And we don't know why this woman was healed. We don't know why it happened without Jesus knowing. We don't know. We can look at this story and it just raises a million doubts and questions. And that's fine. That's okay. There is a place for that. But there was also a place just to take the story for what it is. Just to see it as a beautiful moment when a woman, desperate and broken, reaches out and is healed. And to ask ourselves, will we reach out our hand? The story ends that the woman reaches out for Jesus. Jesus says, who touched my clothes? And the disciples are all saying, see all these people, dude, you're being crazy. How can you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking. Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened, came to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, Your faith has healed you. 
go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The woman had been healed. It could have ended there. Jesus going merrily on to Jairus, the woman going off um, healed. So why does Jesus pause? Why does he insist on identifying her? Because her healing, her, the invitation for her healing was not just about her physical body, but it was about her whole person restoration. At the start of the story, Mark just writes, and a woman was there. No name, no identifying features, no status, just a woman, a nobody, just there. But Jesus looked at that same woman and said, daughter. And so from this moment of healing, she is given a new identity as daughter. She goes from unclean, outside of the community, unnamed, unknown, to daughter. And by making her healing public, Jesus was ensuring that the whole community would know that she had been healed. They would all know that she was no longer unclean. And so not just was she healed, but her, her day-to-day existence was transformed. No longer did she have to walk around declaring herself unclean. No longer did she have to avoid interaction with another human. She was in the family. The healing that Jesus gave her was holistic. It was for her total wholeness. And the phrase that Jesus actually uses, your faith has healed you, the word um, healed there is from the Greek verb sozo. And it's used throughout the New Testament when Jesus physically heals someone. But it is also used in the New Testament to refer to the forgiveness of sins and salvation. So it has this dual meaning, physical healing, spiritual salvation. And so we see the dual invitation in this story to both receiving physical healing, but also to receiving restoration, complete transformation. Jesus says to her, go in peace, total and complete wholeness, restored to the community as daughter, a pronouncement of identity and blessing. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And I think the invitation is the same for us today. Will we risk it? Will we allow that longing for Jesus to bubble up to the surface, to take a gamble, to reach out our hand, putting to one side the fear, the disappointment? I think the disappointment can so hold us captive. Things that maybe we've longed for in the past and put to one side. Things that we don't really believe can change. Places where we're just so caught in what hasn't happened. We put to one side our fear, our insecurities. Will we be willing to admit our need? And then with our mustard faith seed, stretch out our hand, knowing that it is all grace anyway. to receive our healing, physical and spiritual, to experience the grace of God meeting us right in the middle of all of the mess, all of the cacophony of noise, all the people, all of the stuff. And then to hear that proclamation over you, son, daughter, my child, welcome into the family.